I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, welcome along to Writer's Routine. This week we're chatting to Claire Frost. Her new book is The One. We talk about the idea for it and how she teased it out, how she got to know the characters. Also, why she decided to go four days a week at work to find time to write. And after all that, after jumping the hurdles, moving things around to find time to tell her story, when did she finally feel like she was a writer? Eventually, I kind of just went, okay, I need to to do this. I started writing um, and I think it was only once maybe kind of the first book came out and it felt actual like I've got a real book in my hand it suddenly kind of dawned on me okay I'm I'm a I'm an author and then I think once the second book came out I was like, okay no I'm a proper author because this is you know I've, it's not just a one-trick pony I've written two books okay and I think there was almost a, a real process that I went through to get to the point where I thought okay I, I give myself permission to do this, to not only be a journalist and have that part of my life, but also write books. There's all that on the way with Claire Frost in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes. Welcome along. My name's Dan Simpson. Thank you for being there. This is Writer's Routine, where we chat to all forms of writers about their working life, how they get ideas, what they do with them next, where they sit down to write, when they sit down to write, how they sit down to write, and even if they sit down to write, really. Lots of fantastic authors on the way for you in the next few weeks. Uh, We sit down with the crime writer, the festival founder, and the member of the fun-loving crime writers band, Luca Vesti. Also, we'll chat to the man behind Yes Man who also started his own kindness cult. Uh, He's on the radio, on Radio X here in the UK. He's now a best-selling kids author too. Danny Wallace is coming on. That's happening in the next few weeks within the month. Now, if you enjoy what we do, and if you'd like to pledge a little bit every month to have as much as these podcasts, to have as much of these podcasts as you can, patreon.com forward slash writers routine is the way that you do that. The way that you can help us keep bringing you these chats as frequently as possible. This week's one is with uh, Claire Frost. Claire works as a book reviewer full-time and has tracked to so many authors and read so many different books that she thought, well, I can give that a go. So she took the hit, she went down to four days a week at work and she solely dedicates that fifth day to writing. How does she plan it? What does it look like? And how much pressure does it put 
knowing that it needs to get done then because she's worked her whole work life around making sure that she can write. We also talk about what book reviewing taught her about writing. Now, Claire has published Married at First Swipe, Living My Best Life, and the new one is The One. It's all about Lottie Brown, who thinks she's finally found the perfect man. And then three months later, he tragically dies, and Lottie finds out much more about him than she thought and starts to wonder if he really was that perfect all along. It's all on the way in a brand new writer's routine. We start things off, as we always do, with what Claire Frost sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. Well, I sit at my desk uh, in my newly built extension, um, which was built or started to be built in February 2020, just a few weeks before lockdown started. So that was fun. Um, But then finally it was finished um, many, 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 many months later. Uh, And I now have a beautiful new extension and it's my uh, where my desk is. My desk sits under the window and I look out into my garden, um, which is lovely. Um, And I will have many things on my desk. I'm like the opposite of a minimalist. I have piles of paper. I have piles of notebooks. I have plants and photos and a plethora of things uh, to distract me at all times. When you were planning the extension, when you were designing this space where you were going to work, it's interesting that you you got to like reverse engineer what makes you right. Most people, are, they have to put an office where they're forced to, but you've kind of done it the reverse way around. What did you want about your space, I guess? How much did you think through what it needed to be to help you work? Uh, Well, originally it was kind of going to be, uh, well, half of it is a utility room. So half of it is kind of actual uh, kind of proper practical things. And then the other half of it, I have kind of commandeered as my space, but I basically had been working at the dining room table all through um, the building works and all through, I wrote my first book sitting at the dining room table on a hard dining room chair. So I had to kind of a few uh, things that I definitely wanted. One was some space to have uh, my desk and to have some bookshelves and then to have a little reading corner as well. So I do love reading. So I've got a little space where I have uh, a beautiful yellow, bright yellow chair um, where I can sit and read as well. So it was mainly to have my own space um, and to almost, there's a real kind of mental thing behind that, I think, to give yourself kind of permission to take writing seriously and to I'm an author rather than something I do as a hobby so I think for me there was a real kind of okay I no longer write at the dining room table I have my space so therefore I'm a proper writer that's what I tell myself so looking around you you mentioned the bookshelves that you've got is there anything tacked to the wall maybe uh, inspirational pictures maybe productive plot points ways that you kind of know where you're going in the story um so I have loads of things basically I surround myself with things so that if I look up I can then uh I, I try to make myself then look down at my keyboard but often if I'm looking up for some kind of um oh gosh what's that word hopefully my eye will snag on something and it will kind of make my brain 
uh, work. So I have lots of pictures on the walls. I have lots of photos. I have um, have one particular picture which I kind of look up and really like, which is what my publisher gave me as a present for um, my second book. Uh, and it's uh, a typewriter. And in the typewriter, there's um, a piece of paper which has the first line from my second book on it. Uh, so every time I kind of look up, I see that and I think, okay, I can do this. I can, I can write a book. I've done it before. Um, so I find that really kind of inspiring. If, if nothing else, I've done it before, so I can definitely do it again. Um, and I have um, lots of uh, notebooks, as I said, and I often kind of tear pages out and I'll have a little pile of pages to do with um, one character or I'll have little plot points written down on them or don't forget to do this type notes to myself. Um, it sounds a little kind of uh, slapdash and all over the place, but I suppose it works for me and I understand it. Um, but yes, it's definitely not kind of neat and tidy. It's a little bit here, there and everywhere, possibly like the inside of my brain. <laughs> I'm always intrigued at how notebooks look. So if you were to open one up, you said it's a bit slapdash. Is there like a, a form to it? Uh, is there an order to the way things are written or is it just uh, scribbles whenever you get an idea, you put it down in really only a way that you would understand? Pretty much. I mean, I start every notebook. I think, OK, this is a gorgeous notebook. I need. I don't want to ruin it. So I start off and kind of underline things and say, OK, book three or book four. And it's written there. And then and the first page might be, OK, you know, the, the character's name and some characteristics. But then as you start to go through the notebooks, it becomes more and more random and jotting down of things. So kind of like you might on a post-it note and then stick that somewhere, but it's all in. I try to keep it in the notebook, but then I'll pull pages out and kind of move them around. I suppose it's a little bit like, uh, I suppose like a word processor almost where you can move things around, but it's a kind of physical form of that. And it's a way and things like I'll write a list of what happens in every chapter and then I might write a second list. Actually, let's move some of that around a little bit. I think I find writing things down quite an important uh, kind of tool. Um, I don't hand, I don't handwrite my novels or anything like that. Although I know various people do do that before they then type them up. Um, I don't think I have time to do that. But, or I don't think my uh, I can write that much anymore in actual physical writing. But I find it very uh, helpful to have kind of my scrolls. Um, in a notebook or around me on the desk definitely as a kind of physical form and you mentioned word processor there L let's get to that it sounds very niche and trite but what are you writing on um, is it like a big computer is it a small a smaller laptop that you can take with you what software are you using what font do you write with well I love the geekery of this um, I have a MacBook, uh, so laptop that I can take everywhere with me. Um, I'm often writing on a train or kind of commuting to work and trying to write in kind of any moment I've got. Um, and I write in Microsoft Word. Um, weirdly, I write uh, with the default font, which is uh, Calibri. Uh, and I think just because I like that font, it's quite rounded, so on serif, it's, it just feels kind of nice and easy. So I write in that as a kind of general rule. But if I'm writing kind of um, when I'm editing, I might change the font a little bit. Or if I'm writing, maybe sometimes writing um, 
a a kind of separate scene um i might write it in a slightly different font because there's a maybe it's from a different character's point of view or something like that so i do use font a little bit to kind of help me change the way i'm thinking or get me into a slightly different mindset for a different character um and i know that lots of people love scrivener and things like that and i know i should try to use it because the way i tend to write a book isn't kind of linear in one word document I have lots of I can write in chapters or scenes so I have to have a million different word files at all times and I feel like Scrivener probably would really help with that um, and one day I will definitely learn how to use it. Something I've really struggled with I think and that slight imposter syndrome partly to do with the fact so I'm a journalist um, kind of in my other job um, and I part of that job I worked for the the Sun on Sundays um uh, fabulous magazine and as part of that job I do lots of different things and one of those things is I look after all of our book content in the magazine so that's everything from reviewing books to interviewing authors to hosting events with authors that kind of thing so I spend a lot of my time reading books and uh, talking to authors and so when I've always wanted to write a book and never and I've always had that slight imposter syndrome thinking oh I you know if I have these these conversations with Marion Keys or Lisa Jewell I can I'm not I can't be like them but eventually I kind of just went okay I need to need to do this I started writing um and I think it was only once maybe kind of the first book came out and it felt actual like I've got a real book in my hand it suddenly kind of dawned on me okay I'm I'm a I'm an author and then I think once the second book came out I was okay no I'm a proper author because this is you know it's not just a one-trick pony I've written two books okay and I think there was almost a, a real process that I went through to get to the point where I thought okay I, I give myself permission to do this, to not only be a journalist and have that side of my life, but also write books. Um, and that, and then last summer, I kind of really got my into that headspace and maybe it was having the desk and having that space. And I kind of was like, okay, I need to try and kind of balance my life out a little bit um because I'd been writing in any space that I could in terms of time wise um working five days a week on a job that is not nine to five in any way shape or form so I made a decision okay I'm going to go down to four days a week at uh, fabulous in my other job and then I have a whole day every single week for writing and whilst I think I'm still working on that balance and kind of making sure I don't check my emails on that day or kind of really having that as my writing day I think I'm still slightly getting there having a day a week to write and to be very much like this is my author day and obviously you need more than a day a week really to write a book um so it still involves evenings and weekends of course it does as it does for any writer really but I feel like it's a real kind of mental change and I can now kind of sit here and just about say I'm an author I've written three books um that that makes me an author doesn't it yeah I would say so it makes me wonder about the show is writer's routine and we'll get to your current one in a second but I, I wonder how you wrote the first two books when you were also working 
in this five day, very full on journalist job. How did you squeeze in storytelling and fiction writing around that? I have to say, I'm not entirely sure because I look at now and think I don't have, like, even now I'm constantly thinking I don't quite have enough time. So I'm not quite sure how I did it, I have to say. But equally, I did it because I really wanted to do it. And um, so quite a few years ago, so maybe four, four years ago, I took an unpaid sabbatical of eight weeks from Fabulous. And I wrote a book in that time. I'd planned it beforehand, so it was kind of... Uh, but the actual physical writing, I sat down pretty much five, six days a week, wrote you know steam coming off my fingers and I kind of at the end of that had a book um however that book wasn't very good um as many writers uh do that their first book isn't the book that gets published um but I learned a lot from doing it and I learned a lot from the feedback I got from various people from doing it and I think I realized okay I can do this ish but I'm you know I need to um kind of work out how I do that around a five day a week job and then I struggled for quite a long time for maybe another six months a year trying to work out how I did that and then I kind of spoke to some publishers and I kind of got to the point where they said we'd really love you to write a book we think you've got talent but you kind of have to sit down and do it and it's not until someone actually says something like that to you that they can't write the book for you you have to you were the only person who can write this book and something clicked and I was like yes okay I'm going to do this so then I just started getting up early writing you know writing on my commute to work maybe taking half an hour at lunch um whereas previously I didn't take any kind of breaks and writing in snatches of time um and kind of not having a much of a life for kind of six months but I think once you accomplish something and you 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 produce a book of sorts at the end of it that's almost what then spurs you on to keep doing that and you kind of work out how you know how early you can actually get up because me saying oh I'm getting up at 5 30 in the morning that's not going to happen but and I think I still place these unrealistic expectations on myself of okay I'm going to do this but actually in real life you know I'm going to snooze that alarm aren't I so it's it's trying to make it work around your life I think um but yeah I if someone you know, said, oh, well, how should I go about doing that around a five-day-a-week job? I still wouldn't really have the answers, I'm afraid. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're back with more from Claire in just a sec. Very quickly, I'm popping by a little interruption scheduled as always to remind you that if you're enjoying the show, if you've learned anything along the way that has helped the way that you tell your stories, the way that you plan your day and get down to work, you can support us and help us out at patreon.com forward slash writers routine by becoming a backer and pledging over there. You can get merch, you can get bonus content. There is even a way for your book to sponsor this show. If you've released something in the last few years if it's been self-published, whatever, and if if the fanfare for it maybe wasn't quite as you'd imagine, just because of about a billion lockdowns, whatever's gone on, I can help that out. I can give it the plugging it deserves. All you need to do is support the show, become a backer at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Claire Frost chatting about her new book, The One, all about Lottie Brown, who is left questioning everything she thought she knew about her perfect man. You can hear how reading hundreds of books and being a book reviewer affect the way that she writes them. Also, we'll talk about how she gets to know characters and we get back to it, chatting about the writing week. She went down to four days a week at work and then she knew she needed to get a lot done on that one writing day, what she had dedicated to storytelling. But how does she know what she needs to get done? I do kind of on a Sunday evening to kind of plan my week quite uh, kind of quite religiously so I might give myself a kind of um a total of words I need to have written by the end of the week and kind of I can look at the week and know which days are going to be busiest or whether I've got an event after work or going to see friends or whatever so I can kind of look at my week see where I have some time um and how much I might be able to you know, actually write in that time. And then I kind of set myself some targets. And on for the day I have my writing day, um, I will try to plan that day and say, you know, whether it's writing a chapter or whether it's writing some publicity pieces or whatever it is, I will plan that, yes, at the beginning on, on Sunday and kind of I, I tend to do a lot of, well, if I write 2,000 words here and then it will all add up and I'll get to 30,000 by this date and then I have to then relook at that and think, actually, Claire, come on, that how, how realistic is this? Um, so I have to rein myself in a little bit and try and be realistic. But I like having a deadline. I like having a kind of target to get to, definitely. Well, how does that one day look there? Well, yeah, I, I guess we'll focus on the day because then you're scattergunning the rest of your writing around free time that you might have on the other four days but on your one dedicated day a week how does it look what's the routine like take us through the whole thing Claire um so I'll try and get up as early as I can but in reality I don't get up before half past seven because that's it's just crazy um but yes so during the week I'll tend to get up by seven um to to do my journalist job but um I tend to give myself a little bit of a lie-in as a as a kind of okay 
you know, it's your daycare. You could you get to decide when you can get up. Um, and I tried to do something, perhaps in the morning, that isn't just sit down at my desk and start writing. So it might be that I'll go and meet um, a writer friend for coffee and we'll go for a little bit of a walk and then we'll go to a coffee shop and we'll sit there and write together in the coffee shop. And I found that really helpful um, for a morning. Or I might go swimming to the Lido um, and do, because I found that really helpful in terms of working through some plot points um so I'll I have a Lido local to us that's heated so it's open all year round which is really lovely um so whatever the weather I'll often go there do 40 lengths try and work through what it is I need to write today or kind of really get into that because what I find quite hard is going from my my other job full-on you know nothing else can really fit into my brain at that time to then turning off from that and being right now and writing so I quite like easing myself in with some way whether that's a walk or kind of some swimming or something like that um and I have to actually also find that quite helpful so that I don't also find myself sitting in front of the tv watching love is blind or some other awful thing that I'm addicted to on Netflix so I I kind of definitely have to kind of make myself do things and then uh I'll then once I've done something, I feel like, oh, I've accomplished something. I've won my 40 lengths. Now I'm going to go and sit down and do some writing. So kind of maybe 10, 11 o'clock, I'll um, sit at my computer. I'll kind of maybe read through the last kind of chapter that I've written and really immerse myself back in my story. Because it, it is that hard thing to kind of, when you're not writing kind of chunks or kind of elongated chunks every day you kind of have to re kind of acquaint yourself and re get back to where you were so even though I know which bit I'm going to write next hopefully um it still yeah really helps to kind of get myself in that in that zone and then I'll try and write kind of two three thousand words um I quite like the Pomodoro technique of kind of writing in 20 minute bursts um because I find that there's a little, you can have a little reward at the end of each of that. That's really good and stops me kind of getting up every five minutes to have a biscuit or all of those things which I tend to do. Um, and I will try, yeah, I'll kind of maybe stop for lunch, but I won't, kind of, I'll kind of eat at my desk and I'll just kind of really hammer out that day and get as much done because I'm really aware of time and kind of making use of that time as much as I can because I have this day so I think as you said there is a little bit of pressure to get stuff done it's pressure I put on myself um but often I'll say if I have you know extra things to do or publicity pieces or whatever I'll often give a Monday morning as a deadline to say yeah I'm going to do it by this time so I know I've got the Friday to do things to finish things off um and to get it sent ahead of deadline as well because I uh, love doing that I'm a proper teacher's pet um, <laughs> but um, I also know then what what is helpful is that I know that I've then got the weekend so if for some reason I've kind of gone swimming come back to my desk done a thousand words sat in front of Netflix for a bit and then gone oh gosh I'm not feeling it today I mean I'm hardly sitting here waiting for the muse but I mean, you do just have to get on with it. But equally, there are days when you sit there and you're sitting at your laptop and you're writing some words, but you know they're not very good. You know they're just words rather than part of the book. 
but I'll, I'll make myself sit there and do it. But I also have that knowledge that I have the weekend. So things I haven't done on a Friday, I will do at the weekend. And I'll be like, well, I only wrote 1500 words. So I need to write, you know, another 1500 words on Sunday. So I kind of give myself that leeway a little bit. It's interesting that kind of balance you have to strike, especially at the moment. You're talking about the the pressure to get stuff done and how maybe you feel guilty when you've not got that done because you need to unwind. And today we're in a, a, a culture and society that seems constantly at odds with that because we're being told more than ever that it's good for our mental health, that we take time out, that we don't get burnout, that we unwind. But also, you know, especially when you work in the book game like you do as a reviewer, you can see everyone else and constantly comparing yourself to what they are doing. How do you deal with that pressure and that guilt with not doing things that like not not going enjoying yourself and just unwinding on Netflix because you need that time out but also having to get the words done because you know that this is the book you want to publish like how do you balance all that in your brain um I don't know if I have the answer I think you're right I think I kind of I think I'm better than I was um, because there is also a point where you know there is only so much you can do. And each, if I've had a you know an absolutely crazy week at my day job, by Friday, you know, naturally I'll probably be exhausted anyway uh, because of the shape of my week of my week in my day job. Because it's a weekly magazine, so we have a weekly deadline that has to we have to hit every week. So I know ten I tend to know when the the kind of really busy parts of that week are going to be and what each day will look like so I know that by the time I get to Friday I'll probably be quite exhausted from it all but I what I've been working on I think is putting things into compartments in my brain a little bit um so I have kind of towering TBR piles around me of books um both to read as an author but also to read as a reviewer and I think that that I feel this constant guilt that I can never read all the books that I'm sent you know I'm sent probably 60 books a week I can read two books a week so that's a lot of books that I don't get to read um so I think I've had that all you know since I've been reviewing books that's always been kind of there so I'm used to having that slight guilt around things um and I think what motivates me in writing is getting that is getting a finished copy of your book in your hands. There's this kind of nothing much that will be that. And you think this is why we work so hard, but also it's then when that book goes out into the world, it's then getting those messages from readers and you don't get them every day, but there are some messages that you get and you will always remember them because they're from someone who says, oh, I, you know, I've really struggled to read, whether it's with lockdown or or whatever, you know, over the last two years, and I picked your book up in the library. And I read it all the way to the end. And I absolutely loved it. And now I can't, you know, now I'm going to go and get another book. Or, you know, just even a message saying, um, oh, I've just read your book. And I, I saw in the back of the book that it says that you love to get a message, you know, on Instagram, if, if I enjoyed it. So here's a little message and hope, you know, those kind of messages are what you know, you go, okay, I'm having some effect on somebody else's 
life so this hard work even even if it helps one person who you know is in a reading rut or hasn't picked up a book in two years or whatever it is I think getting those is a little kind of uh, breadcrumb you kind of go okay I'm going to remember that and I screenshot those messages and I have those to look at I mean it sounds a bit self-indulgent but it's kind of one of those things to keep going to not just go I'm writing this for me and my kind of ego to have this book in my hands but also once you've written it it goes out into the world and it has its own little life and people interact with it and for me that is kind of why I do it and that's when I kind of to keep reminding myself I think to keep going. Books have always been a massive thing for me since I was a kid and growing up and I grew up reading you know Marion Keys and kind of um, all of that kind of what was called chiclet, uh, women's fiction, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I grew up reading that and I absolutely loved it and it was always a big part of my life and I kind of didn't I never really thought I could write a book. It just wasn't something that, you know, you kind of thought. But it was almost like then I started reviewing books as I as part of my job. And, you know, it's also there's no secret that lots of journalists write books as well for various reasons. But, you know, writing is part of my job. OK, could I write a book? I don't know. Um, but I think I've always loved writing. But... I think when you read someone else's book, you, you think, I think I grew up thinking authors were on this higher plane in some way, because they were a different set of people who could write a book, you know. Um, and I think almost that that kind of having then speaking to authors and interviewing them and, and reading their books as a reviewer, you kind of still think that, but you also get to know them a little bit more and realise they're just normal people too. But they still feel like they're slightly separate. Um, and I think I still feel that a little bit as well. Um, but I, reading kind of so many books is great for my, for writing in lots of ways because you have, you know, I read really widely. I don't just read women's fiction, which is what I write, but I read loads of crime. I read, you know, slightly more literary things. I read, you know, book club things. I read lots of different things. And that really helps. I find it a little bit difficult reading women's fiction when I'm in a real kind of intense writing phase because uh, you do kind of think, oh, gosh, is my book turning into this thing that I've just ri written, uh, just read, sorry. Um, so it can be a kind of, it's a, it's a bit of a kind of double-edged sword. But what I do love is getting the opportunity to read hugely widely across the industry and you always know kind of the books that are being published and you know there are points where you you're writing something and you think that then the book you're reading that's about to come out you, you think oh no is my book really similar to this that has happened a little bit and then you just have to get on and stay in your lane and do your thing because what you're writing is what you're writing and also won't be published for another you know year to 18 months anyway so that's how I kind of put it in a compartment and think okay it's different there and I really really believe there is space for everybody to write you know in this industry I'm not competing with anybody um I definitely compare myself to other writers that's definitely true because I don't see how I don't think you can't I think it's just inbuilt in me that I will kind of go oh my gosh that book was so good I could never write that book um but equally I'm very you know what I write is one thing what another author writes is a different thing and yes we share you know shelf space 
but we are all there's space for everyone and I I think that is really important as well now your new novel I'm right in thinking is the one yes it is fantastic well listen tell us about the moment that the one came into your brain how did this idea present itself to you well quite strangely this idea for this book is actually the kind of kind of main plot point in the original book I wrote when I was on sabbatical the the book that was awful and should never see the light of day and will never see the light of day but the kind of central uh kind of story is the same because and it is interesting like I knew it was a good line basically the, the the story is um it's about Lottie and she um meets Leo and they just have this kind of perfect three months together where she you know they fall head over heels it's couldn't be better it's this perfect three months and then her world is just kind of completely rocked because he dies out of the blue in, uh, kind of uh, three months into their relationship so that kind of was the the, very, the, the central story of the book uh, original book I wrote and it was all kind of came from something that happened at uh, university so a long time ago now uh, to one of my friends and he had met somebody a couple of times you know they'd been out a couple of times they had he'd started to get to know this person and then he got a phone call to from this person's brother to say oh I'm afraid he's died and it was completely out of the blue um and you know we were 21 20 21 at the time and you know he he was really upset of course and as slightly, you know, 21 year olds who don't know anything about the world, I think after a few weeks, we were a bit like to, to our friend, oh, are you not, not kind of, you know, are you not over this? We perhaps didn't say it like this, but we kind of expected him to move on because he'd only met this person a couple of times. And, but he was really struggling with how to feel because he'd, he'd met, he'd, he'd kind of got to know this person, he'd started to like him and it, he didn't know how to then be and how to feel because there's no textbook for how to deal with grief after such a short period of time knowing somebody. And kind of looking back on it years later, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, 21 year olds, you know, we just, why, why weren't we more sympathetic or why weren't, you know, gosh, you know, we didn't really handle that very well. And it kind of just started this kind of thinking about what would you do if someone you'd kind of fallen for in a very short space of time, then, um died and you had no answers and you just didn't know you know it's one thing if if someone you've known a very long time dies there's almost like a like a people expect you to behave in a certain way um but I think there's kind of no yeah there's no kind of textbook of how to be and that really kind of interested me and you know I thought okay how do I translate that into a novel um and yeah then the one kind of came from that so I guess the question is rather grandly, how did it come from that? As in, when you've, when you, when you're thinking back at something that happened to you at university, you know that that's the idea you'd like to explore with this novel. How do you begin forming that into a plot? What comes next? Um, I think once I've got that central kind of what would happen if line, then I start thinking very um kind of much more deeply about characters and who who my main character is and who her inner circle is 
and so it's all about not just her but her relationships and how that make how her relationships make her her as well so in the one we've got Leo who's who's the guy she falls for but we've also got her sisters and Lottie is a uh, middle sister so she has an older sister and a younger sister and the book is also a bit of a love letter to sisters perhaps as well and that kind of interesting dynamic that you have with sisters um it would be no surprise that I'm uh, to say that I'm a middle child of, of three sisters uh you know write what you know um although I hasten to add the characters in this book are not my older sister and my younger sister uh, but equally, what I did kind of really use was that kind of sister relationships that's really interesting because that was another thing I really wanted to explore. Um, and kind of the book really grew from that. So I've got the what if, I've got Lottie and then her sisters and how she sits within that. And that kind of helped build her world, I guess, um, and her how that you know she loves her sisters but she also has the kind of slight uh maybe jealousy she maybe doesn't she you know maybe her older sister's a little bit bossy and her younger sister seems to have things quite easy in life and you know their lives seem to be perfect and she's the middle sister who doesn't quite have it all sorted um and that then informs who Lottie is as a character and you kind of build layers I think and I think what all of my books do a little bit is is the kind of it's not just about that character it's about that their relationships especially with female other female characters so yes there's a romance um kind of element at the heart of it there's a love story at the heart of it but it's also about uh you know my other books have been about friendships um and this is about quite strongly uh relationships between sisters which there's, you know, there's a huge amount to explore there. Um, and yes, I'll use some of my own kind of experiences, but obviously you kind of take it and then run with that. You don't, I, I mean, I have hastened to add, it definitely isn't about me and my sisters, but equally you do obviously use some of what, you know, you know and you've experienced yourself. And that is it for Claire Frost this week. Thank you so much, Claire, for coming on the show. You can pick up a copy of her brand new book, The One, right now, wherever you get your books. A local independent bookseller would probably be the best way, though, I reckon. Now, next week on the show, we're chatting to Luca Vesti, the crime writer, the festival founder, the band member, the podcaster, and his new novel is You Never Said Goodbye. It's a brilliant chat. Luca is a self-confessed show-off, as I am as well, so... Uh, yeah it's it's high octane a lot of energy on that chat really next week with Luca Vesti in the meantime you can support the show at Patreon you can follow us at on Twitter we are at Writers Pod and I'm giving up kind of giving up uh, Twitter for Lent almost bits and pieces which means if you do tweet me I might not be as quickly as I normally am just bear that in mind before you give us a follow it's at Writers Pod there and you can get in touch with the show at writersroutine.com and I will see you next week with Luca Vesti until then Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.